Welcome to the NLPCourses.com show, where we push past the hype and pull back the velvet curtains of creating a successful life with NLP. Diving into physiology, neuroscience, and linguistics so that NLP becomes a practical tool at home and in your career, moving beyond the technique so that you can make a name, make money, or make a difference. Tune in weekly if you care more than others think wise as we set out on our quest to uncover the secrets of successful people from all walks of life. Make sure you head over to nlpcourses.com to subscribe to receive our newsletter and receive free transcripts of each show. Here's your host, NLP Master Trainer, John Cassidy Rice. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. My name is John Cassidy Rice and I have the pleasure to be your host. Now, one of the things I've been intended to do for a little while now is to interview the people who attend our NLP practitioners and NLP master practitioners. The reason being is I had the pleasure of meeting some incredible people. And and I also think it would be good to find out how NLP is used in various different fields of study and in just different occupations. So... I have the pleasure to introduce a guy called Chris, one of our students. Uh, he's just in the process of taking his NLP Master Practitioner with us. He works within the NHS. He's a clinical technician, and he's going to give you his official title, because I'll have to practice saying that, and how he's been using it within the NHS, and also how he's been using it in his other passion, which is to do a dog training. So, Chris, Welcome. Hi, John. Thank you. Great to be talking to you this morning. Oh, it's a real pleasure. And thank you for giving up your valuable time to, to share your, your knowledge of how you've been using NLP. No, the pleasure's all mine. It's, it's really good, actually. Um, yeah, from, from the outset, when I, I met you, I think it was a little over six years ago. Wow. Um, yeah. Where, where does the time go? Um, the... The diploma course, which I did with you, that, that was a real eye-opener. Um, and it was on that course that I decided that I needed to know, know more about this stuff that you do. Um, it, it's, it's really life-changing, for the better. Excellent. Well, I'm so pleased to hear that. Mm. Um, my, you said my official title. Uh, I am a clinical technician working within the NHS. And my official title is Senior Orbital Prosthetist, which just means that I make prosthetic appliances for people. Okay. So, and you specialise in the, is it the eye? Yeah, I specialise in making uh, artificial eyes for people, people that have lost eyes for various reasons. Um, believe it or not, there are, we have on our books 50,000 people in England. Wow. We, we, you know, we kept fairly busy. Yes. Mm, it's uh, it's quite a small part of the NHS but we uh, we deal with a lot of a lot of patients um, again a life-changing process so just out of my own interest so <laughs> what is the process that you go through to to make an eye for somebody okay um, probably people would know a little bit more about the process of making a denture for somebody you know for false teeth um, where a dentist would take an impression, uh, a technician would make a wax try-in of the denture, 
and then once that is correct, that would be converted into an acrylic or a plastic denture for somebody. And we do pretty much the same process. I, I take an impression, I make a wax triangle shape, and then um, choose colours, and that is then converted into the plastic finished product for, for a patient. Incidentally, the term glass eyes, we haven't really used glass in this country since the Second World War. Right. It's one of those, one of those hangovers, I'm afraid. Yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, I, I think the thing, coming back to the NLP with what I do in work, I think that's made a, a huge difference to me. Um, I was always fairly chatty with people anyway. Um, but having done the NLP, I realised possibly I wasn't listening quite as well as I could have. You know, the um, the active listening part of what we should be doing. Um, and bearing in mind that I, I deal with patients who have been through some very traumatic times. You know, um, it's not nice when they lose an eye. Okay. Um, so, so actually take, taking the time to listen to their experience and, and the, the language they use it makes a big difference when building that you know that working working alliance and rapport it's uh, that is priceless yes definitely now, i was wondering whether you could share some sort of case studies with us without giving away anybody's name or details that could be picked up obviously mm. and uh, so maybe if you've got somebody who's come in and obviously they're upset how are you been using the NLP skills what have you found that's really worked well so you've talked about the listening mm -hmm. can you yep. think of a particular case that would um, pretty much every case that I deal with they have issues that they have to come to terms with um, so it's from the outset from when I go and call somebody in from the waiting room you know um, I don't just stand there and call their name as soon as I get a response from somebody, I, I, I go over to them and I offer a hand, you know, to handshake. And um, depending on how they offer their hand, I will follow their lead, just just to put them at that little bit of ease. Um, I, within our service, we work with people of all ages, from newborn babies through to end of life. Uh, and it's having that ability to put somebody at their ease from the onset. I would say that many people come in to see us and they're really very nervous because they don't know what is about to happen. Um, so thinking about one case I saw very recently, a young lady in her mid-twenties, when I went out to call her from the waiting area, she looked absolutely petrified. Um, so walking, just chatting with her really, back to my, my clinical room and um, not actually saying you know everything's going to be all right because I don't know that this is this is new ground for both of us with regard to this individual. But just having a little chat, um, even using the notes to say, you know, can you confirm name, address, etc. And I'm just taking a couple of minutes to let let her speak. Um, you know the old saying that we have two ears and one mouth. And that's yes. probably a best ratio in which to use them. Very, very true when it comes to a nervous patient. So, yeah, just giving them a bit of time to relax in, into into the environment. Um, yeah, that's that's 
really, really important. No matter how rushed and busy I am, you have to give people time. Yeah, so that's pacing. So we have a poor building, a little bit of pacing, a little bit of leading. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, my posture, I walk out, I, I, I dress smartly, as, as would be expected in the NHS. I walk out not... In a, in a, I'm not bent over and I'm not standing up too tall. I'm not trying to impose my will on anybody. Um, and and if, if the client actually needs a bit of time to get themselves ready, then fine. There is, there's no rush. You know, we're, in the NHS, we do work to very tight time schedules, but that actually comes secondary to the needs of the client. So, so knowing you, I would have suspected that before the NLP, you'd have done something very similar. So what do you think the NLP that you've learned has aided with that, that greeting, bringing people in? Mm. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to the, um, the communication skills have improved thanks to the NLP. I, I listened to... Um, the rep systems that people are using, you know, how the words they like to use, how they like to use them. Um, some people like to talk very fast and want information back very fast. Others will slow down and, you know, I, I can match that. Um, the meta programs that they're running, really important to have an understanding of, of their thought processes within what's going to happen. Uh, even before we've started any clinical work, so you can you can enhance their confidence in my my abilities um, for the work that I'm going to be doing for them. Sponsor of this week's NLPCourses.com podcast show is the NLP Train the Trainer Only for the Ambitions who wish to make a living teaching NLP. Apply for your place in this world class training over to the NLPcourses.com. So you mentioned meta programs there, the towards mm. and away from, so and various different meta programs that we have. Have there been any patterns over the years that you've noticed that people in the situation that you're talking about that can be highly ups, upset? Any meta programs that spring to mind that you've noticed? Yeah, very much. Um, it's one that I've noticed which comes from the parents of small children. Right. And generally the child isn't upset by what's happened. Let's take a child of, say, four or five years of age. Um, they don't really know what's happened, and they're just getting on with life. They're not worried about what's happened to them generally. Um, and I quite often have to take parents to one side and say, actually, guys, the words you are using aren't helping. Uh, and this child's going to live for the rest of their life with this condition and I've got people in their late 90s that have lived all their lives from children um, and, and quite often the parents will say things like don't worry, it's not going to hurt uh, no, it's not going to hurt but you've just told the child that it is going to hurt <laughs> Yes. Um, or, or they'll, the child is just about to do something which I want them to do um, whether it's inserting or removing their own artificial eye for the very first time and mum or dad will say just as the child's about to do it don't worry you don't have to do it if you don't want to 
so they're taking the child away from something which is really important and then I have to stop and it, and it takes many many more months then to get the child to do that thing they, they're so capable of doing a little bit frustrating <laughs> yes but um, that's people <laughs> so how do you phrase that with when you're dealing with these parents then how do you what, what do you say to help them change their language patterns I I'm actually quite forthright when it comes to the parents um, I believe they can actually accept a little bit of criticism but yeah, in a nice way, just explain that sometimes you need to actually think about the words we use just before we use them, and maybe don't use it. Think about it for a second longer, and then don't use it anyway. <laughs> and most of them get it. You know, they they realise that um, I, I use the term that you taught me, which is the brain can't process negatives. So. Um, don't touch that, you'll hurt yourself. Or, you know, if you touch that, you're going to hurt yourself. Yes, it's key, isn't it? As we speak, we're placing images in our minds and other people's. All the time. All the time. Which is one of the problems that we have when it comes to the clinical environment. Um, people imagine all sorts of um, contexts. They, they see the Pirates of the Caribbean with a a wooden eye rolling along the deck of a, of a, of a ship. <laughs> yes. um, and, and artificial eyes aren't even round. But everybody has that image of a glass round ball. Right. Um, what have, shape are they? They're sort of um, shell-shaped, if you like. If you can imagine a half a cockle shell, then that's pretty much it. Definitely not round. <laughs> I did. Curious, curious. Yeah, you can find them on the internet if you look for them. (laughs) So you've talked about rapport building, pacing, um, listening skills, touched a little bit on language, like the meta programs and using positive language and talking about how important it is, especially for parents with children in this situation. Mm, Absolutely. Have you found that the Milton language has come into play in your practice oh yes yeah um it, it's amazing the effect that using milton's suggestions if you like the effect that they have on clients um because we, we all know that we're capable of doing these things everybody else is doing it um so yeah milton language um i'll, I'll be honest i actually Sometimes like direct suggestions, sometimes indirect. I gauge it on the individual person that I'm working with. Yes. Um, but Can you think of any this... particular examples that stand Ooh. out in your mind? Ah. Tricky. <laughs> Put you on the spot now. <laughs> Very much on the spot, that is. Um, yeah, yeah. I suppose when it comes to the possibilities of infection, um, you, you can inform patients that they are aware and they know that if they've done gardening, the likelihood of um, getting an infection if they haven't washed their hands afterwards. And I'm just trying to think how I would phrase that. In, yeah, uh, you know, the soil is full of bacteria. Some of it really isn't very nice. 
it, you know, this is the sort of thing that comes in with a flow that I have when I'm in clinic. Yes. So would it be along the line? Because that sounds like the um, aware realise. So you're, you are aware that there's lots of bacteria in the earth. It, exactly. Exactly. That, that is it. Um, with some patients, you have to point that out to them. Yes. <laughs> because they really aren't aware of that. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, it's very much along those um, awareness lines. So any other insights from your practice within the National Health Service? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, again, because not only, of course, do the patients come from all walks of life and all ages, but within Are you the typing staff... there, Chris? Hello? Hey, are you typing there? No, no, oh, I'm not. okay. I can hear typing. Oh, no, definitely not me. Right, okay. <laughs> no, I was going to say, you know, the staff working with NHS come from all different backgrounds and experiences yeah. um, and within my own organisation I have because I work in hospitals all over the country I've come across examples of colleagues who let's say for example I went to work in oh, a hospital some distance from me for the very first time, never been there before and I walk in and introduce myself and they say, oh, we haven't actually got an artificial eye department. And I say, but my colleague who's just left has been working here for the last 10 years. But nobody else knew that he was there. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it is that the importance of actually letting people know that you exist and maybe just making a cup of tea for them. If you get there nice and early, put the kettle on. So the what I'm thinking of is repository, really. Yes. You know, you, um, you do something for them. And it's quite likely that they will want to do something for you at some point. So, you know, that's, that's really useful. Um, I'd make a cup of tea for them even if they didn't want to do anything for me. But it, it just builds that working alliance again, which is really important. Um, I, I think I probably mentioned this to you some time ago. Um, I work with a team of managers within my own organisation, really nice people. Um, but sometimes to get the best out of out of them to enable me to do my job, I need to be able to speak to them on their terms, understand where they're coming from with regard to um, work costs and timings. Uh, naturally, as a clinician, I, my interest is purely in getting the right result for the patient. Um, and a little while ago, I had a meeting, a couple of my managers came to see me, and during the meeting, one of my consultants called into my number and asked me if I'd go very quickly and see a patient with her that she had in her clinic room. So I, I said, yes, I would. And I excused myself from my managers. And I was about 20 minutes, I suppose, out of my clinic. And when I got back, one of my managers said to me, yeah, you really shouldn't have done that. I thought, hang on, this, I, I know this um, this consultant, and if it was on the other foot, if I was asking her to come and see me, she would do that for me, and I, you know, I know that. Um, so it, it seemed to me that the manager didn't have the idea of repository. You know, right. It's, it's that she actually said that I shouldn't have done it, I should have called the patient in another time, so uh, that doesn't ring very true for me. 
diff- difficult situation. Yes, now that really does underline that the rapport building is important. And it's not just when somebody's there in front of you. You can build rapport, their behaviour. As you said, like, this this consultant would come and see you. So a rapport, part of that, would be being going, willing to go and see them. So that's rapport over a period of time. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, I think with regard to NLP, rapport for me is the most important part. It's, it's the pillar of NLP for me. Um, without rapport, I don't think I'd be anything done. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think a lot of people who work in large organisations, and I think in the UK, the National Health Service is one of the largest. I, th- I think it's probably the largest. Actually. The largest, yes. I was, I was yeah. thinking that. Yeah. Um, uh, that communication, the rapport yeah. building. And, and I'll tell you what, I, I have a lot of fun with, with rapport. Um, when, when I walk into some of the hospitals and you look at the staff and they're, they're at the end of the shift and they're exhausted. So as I walk towards them, I put my hands up in the air and say, morning, you know, wonderful day outside. You can have a great time today. And, and they smile and laugh and their world changes for that little bit better. Yeah, and I think that goes beyond a little bit of uh, rapport there because that is uh, state management mm. suggestions. Absolutely. Well, you and know, future pacing. I think I said to you the other day, even when I walk through my local Asda supermarket, I look at that people and say, morning, you know, in a nice cheery voice or evening. And it's almost as if you see that little glow on their face that somebody's taking the time to acknowledge they exist. And, and that, that just speaks volumes to me. Yes. We pause the interview and we resume next week where Chris shares his insights into how he's been using NLP in his dog training life. Have a great week and I look forward to seeing you soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. You were just listening to NLPcourses.com podcast show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and make sure to head over to NLPcourses.com to subscribe to our newsletter where we keep you updated with in-depth NLP topics. Subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes on neuro linguistics, programming, and beyond.